I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Friday, May 26, 2023, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay and Peak Pals, commencement season is off to a colorful start from a surprise visit by Vladimir Zelensky to Johns Hopkins to hecklers interrupting the CEO of Warner Brothers who had a speech at Boston University. Though a tradition that's best known south of the border, do you remember your convocation speaker, Jay? I do because I went to school south of the border, way south of the border. In fact, I went to school in Atlanta. I went to Emory University. And our speaker, although in fairness, I didn't remember, but now I do, Jonetta Cole, who is at that point the president of Spelman College. She was the first woman to be president of that HBCU. And it's in Atlanta, so it was a celebratory day. But if anybody's been in Atlanta outside in late May, it's fairly uncomfortable. So great speech, uncomfortable day all the time. So what about you? One thing I realized is that I think we call it here convocation. Yeah. And you call it commencement in the yes. U.S. Two, yes. It's the same thing, though. Honestly, I couldn't tell you who my speaker was. They weren't bad, but they also didn't leave an impact or they didn't leave a mark on me. I didn't have the most famous commencement speech, I think, is Steve Jobs. It wasn't a Steve Jobs style speech, that's for sure. It wasn't a Brett Chang style speech. Yeah, well, I think I'd give a hell of a convocation speech. I'm not sure what I talk about considering my only experiences with podcasting, but you know, I'm sure I could weave something together. Can you give me the chance? Sure, Brett. Aside from crafting your commencement or convocation speech, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Canadian banks hurt by weak earnings. For our second story, falling behind on critical minerals mining. And for our last story, the era of easy returns is over. For our first story, our high-level bank earnings summary, not great, but things could be worse. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Jay. So driving the news, four of the big five banks, TD, RBC, BMO, Scotiabank, missed estimates this week as tough economic conditions force lenders to put aside more money to prepare for borrowers falling behind on their payments. High interest rates are also slowing the demand for credit products, while the cost of salaries, advertising, and paying out interest on customer deposits is rising. The one outlier was CIBC, which topped estimates despite seeing a revenue slump compared with last quarter. The bank cited similar factors hurting its bottom line. It matters because decisions to set aside hundreds of millions to cover bad loans just in case underscores the conservative nature of banks in Canada. It's a stark contrast between what we've seen from some banks in the U.S., remember Silicon Valley Bank, who chose not to hedge against potential risks and frankly blew up, ultimately putting their depositors' money at risk. Canadian banks often set aside a lot of money in case loans go bad, only to see the worst case scenario not come to pass. At least that's what one analyst told CBC. Despite the impact of earnings, experts say the large banks aren't likely to fall below the minimum capital cushions required by regulators. And frankly, Brett, that's a really good thing. It is, Jay. And here's the bottom line. Revenue may be slowing, but the big banks have been relatively unscathed by the recent turmoil in the US. Up here, we still see banks as a safe place to park money. For our second story, how do you mine critical minerals in Canada? Well, very slowly, at least according to one of the largest miners in Ontario's Ring of Fire. Canada's effort to ramp up its critical mineral sector is falling behind. Australian mining magnate Andrew Forrest warned in a letter to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Here's what he wrote. If standard processes continue without amendment, there is no prospect of commencing development of the Ring of Fire or of the battery metals plant before mid to late 2030s. I was going to say it in an Australian accent, but I didn't. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Maybe another episode, Jay. Forest Company Ring of Fire Metals controls the Eagle's Nest Mine, one of the most important deposits of critical minerals in Ontario's Ring of Fire region. 
It's happening because it can take up to 25 years for a mining project to get greenlit, according to the federal government's estimates. That's significantly longer than in other mining countries like, say, Australia. Natural Resource Minister Jonathan Wilkinson has promised to speed up Canada's approval process, but changes are still in the planning stage. Resources were first discovered in the resort Ring of Fire in 2006, and the area is still undergoing seven separate environmental studies by different levels of government. By contrast, the Nova Nickel and Copper Mine in Australia opened just four years after deposits were discovered in 2012. Critical mineral mining is a key part of the plan to build a clean energy supply chain in Canada. And according to tech CEO Jonathan Price telling Bloomberg, if we're going to bring supply online at the pace the world needs to electrify, we need to shorten those timelines. And to zoom out, both federal and provincial governments have made massive commitments to the clean energy sector, like the $13 billion set aside to help build a Volkswagen EV plant. But They may be getting a bit ahead of themselves. If we can't get the minerals out of the ground those plants need, the full potential of these investments won't be realized. For our third story, the days of no questions asked returns are numbered as retailers crack down on one of their biggest profit suckers in a worsening economic climate. Driving the news, across North America, merchants, especially those with online stores, are shortening their return windows, like Sephora, adding return fees, like Uniqlo, and offering discounts to discourage returns, which is what Amazon is doing. This is all per the Wall Street Journal. That's like three strikes right there to my shopping habits, or my family's shopping habits, I should say, with Sephora mixed in. H&M Canada charges $4.99 shipping fees for returns. At Urban Outfitters, a return will set you back 5 bucks. Foot Locker Canada charges $6.99 for all mailed-in returns. In recent months, huge retailers, including Lululemon, Walmart, Nike, and others, have reported they have too much inventory, which costs them a lot of money to store. Add high return rates into the mix, and retailers are looking at a scary financial picture. Some retailers are grappling with the return of about 20% of total items sold. If you've ever bought a shirt in three colors so you can pick out your favorite, you'll get why that is the case right now. And here's a fun fact. In Canada, businesses aren't actually legally obligated to accept returns unless a purchase you made is defective, but many do it anyways to help keep customers happy. That keeps me happy. And this matters because shoppers are already dialing back on spending as inflation and high borrowing rates cut into our fun money. With new crackdowns on returns, we'll probably start thinking three times as hard about whether we really need that new summer outfit. The answer is yes, I do need it, Brad. Seersucker. I think you too. It's the summer of seersucker, they're saying. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a good weekend, Brett, and all you Peak Pals. And I'm going to go pick out that seersucker suit just in case I actually do want it. Peak Pals.